Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, last week we heard the beginning of the Bread of Life discourses from John chapter 6. It's divided into to three straight readings in our gospel text that we'll have from John chapter 6. And last week we heard how Jesus is the bread of life that satisfies, that he gives us everything, everything that we need for body and soul now and for all eternity. Today we get to the second part of these bread of life discourses, and it comes at a perfect time. And I say that because it seems in the last few weeks, we as a church family here at Grace have come face to face with death. A few weeks ago, we mourned the death of our sister in Christ, Ruth Waymeyer. Just a couple days ago, we had the funeral for our brother in Christ, Tim Jackson. And if you go up and down our prayer list, you'll notice that many uh, of our family members here are mourning the death of a loved one, a friend, or a family member or uh, are dealing with someone in their family who is, is sick and in need of help. And so I think perfect timing from God's word here that we hear the good news today about the resurrection. That in Christ there is eternal life, that he will resurrect us. In Christ we have this wonderful and sure and certain hope and a confidence in Jesus. Confidence in Jesus, for he is the bread of life who raises us to new and eternal life with him. Eternal life is a major theme in John's gospel, especially uh, as we look here at John chapter 6. In the bread of life discourses here, though, Jesus says even more about eternal life. Four different times, verses 39, 40, 44 and 54, he explicitly promises to raise his people on the last day. This promise of resurrection is central to our Christian faith. As we confess in the Nicene Creed, the goal of the Christian life is the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. So what will Jesus raise us from? Well, the short and easy answer is death. But that's more than just the moment that our heart stops beating. Because ever since the fall, death has cast its shadow over every aspect in this world. Our relationships, our intellects, our communities, our bodies, our emotions, our wills, nothing is exempt. And it doesn't take us long to see that as we look at our lives and in the world around us. That everything is affected by sin and death. The entire human existence has been darkened by the self-inflicted death and despair. Poet, theologian Martin Franzman captures this in his rich hymn, O God, O Lord of Heaven and Earth. He writes, On a deathward drift since birth we have, Housed us in this house of doom where death had royal scope and room. We deal with the effects of sin and death every single day of our lives. If we look at our gospel text, we see that the people there experienced this in their hunger pains. 
but also in their grumbling and their refusal to believe in Jesus. Remember that after these Bread of Life discourses, we read that many disciples walked away from Jesus. Like the dwarfs in C.S. Lewis's The Last Battle, they were imprisoned in their own minds and couldn't accept Jesus' hard saying. But in times like this, I think it's helpful to be brutally honest about the human condition. And so while God certainly kindly allows seasons of human flourishing and joy, life on this side of Jesus' return is always burdened by death and decay. It's always affected by sin. And we are victims, to be sure, of that sin, but we're also very guilty. Guilty of turning away from God and turning inward to ourselves. That's what our sinful nature does. It turns inward and, and we want what we desire. We want to be in control. Basically, we break the first commandment and, and say, I want to be God. And so in this sense, Jesus promised to raise us from ourselves and to him. But what will he raise? He will raise a full, physical, bodily resurrection. Again, this is a, a wonderful uh, promise and a good news for us to hold on to is that we have the, the promise of a physical, bodily resurrection. Jesus is not explicit in these verses, but the scriptures are very clear that Jesus promises more than a disembodied spiritual existence after death. He has promised to raise our perishable mortal bodies to immortality. The great resurrection chapter of 1 Corinthians 15 makes this very clear. That we will be raised imperishable and immortal. The bodily resurrection is the object of Christian hope. To know that these very same bodies that will one day be buried in the ground will be raised again to new and eternal life will be imperishable, where death no longer can have its effect on us. So another question to deal with today is, who will Jesus raise? And again, the good news uh, is that he will raise you. Jesus will raise you and all believers. Our text uh, tells us this answer. Jesus answers this question three different times in three different ways. First, in verse 40, Jesus promises to raise all who come to him and believe in him. Resurrection by faith, you might say. But lest we think of faith as our responsibility, Jesus gives us a second answer in verse 44, where he says, No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him. And there's some important theology there to understand. To know that all are called to come to Jesus. All are commanded to believe in him. But when we do, it's always, always, always the work of the Father. And that leads us to the third, his third answer. In verse 54, he puts it like this. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life. And I will raise him up on the last day. Those who believe in Jesus also believe what he says about his body and blood. And so while our text 
may not be explicitly about the Lord's Supper, it's hard to miss this connection. We have the promise that all who eat and drink this supper in faith will be raised on the last day for the full and final feast. What we receive here in the Lord's Supper is a foretaste of the eternal feast to come. And the great thing about that in connection with the resurrection is that when we partake of this holy meal here at the Lord's altar, that's the, we're never closer to our loved ones who have died in the faith than when we're at the Lord's altar. We confess that in our liturgy when we, we say with all the angels and archangels, with all the company of heaven, and yes, that includes all of our loved ones who have died in the faith, are partaking with us of that very same feast of victory that is ours in Christ Jesus. So what a wonderful connection there uh, to realize as we eat and drink of Christ's body and blood, that it's that very same body and blood that raises us to new and eternal life. But that raises the next question of when. And each time Jesus mentions raising in John chapter 6, he's very clear about when this will happen. He says this will happen on the last day. And so knowing that, knowing that truth, we anticipate the day of Jesus' return. We look forward to that day. We pray, come, Lord Jesus. For that is when Jesus will raise me and all the dead and will give to me and all believers eternal life in Christ, as we confess in Luther's explanation of the third article. And so with that in mind, as Christians, we always live with the end in view. We live in the victory that Christ won for us through his life, death, and resurrection now. We live each day in victory because Christ has given us that victory. And that changes how we live right now. We live as people ahead of time. For we are raised already in our baptism. Remember, we look at at Romans 6 and how in baptism we are baptized into Christ, into his death and into his resurrection. And just as Christ died and rose again, we too are connected to him and, and raised with him. Already now in baptism, we walk in the newness of life, here and now. And that gives us hope and and confidence and joy each and every day living as God's people. So I encourage you, brothers and sisters in Christ, to live ahead of time as those already raised with Christ, even as you await the promised resurrection of the last day. We live in God's promises daily. And that was one of the the great joys this week in, in Vacation Bible School was going over God's promises with the children every day. It started out with just with that overall truth that God keeps his promises, every single one of them. And so when we hear today that Jesus will raise us up on the last day, we can trust that with all the certainty in the world because he keeps his promises. The second day that the children learn that God gives us direction. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through him. On the third day, we heard that Jesus is with us, always with us. No matter where we go, no matter what we do, he is with us and he is for us. On the fourth day, we heard that that Jesus is full of healing. 
full of healing now and eternally. And then on the, on the last day, we heard about going and telling that good news to others, that we are his witnesses. And so a wonderful connection here with our text and, and with the, uh, what the children learned at Vacation Bible School this week. Because I think what this world needs to hear more than anything is the good news of the resurrection. Because that's what our world that is so filled with sin and death needs to hear. That's what we need to hear over and over again, is that good news of eternal life that is ours, even now in the face of sin and death and, and everything else in this world. And so it's my prayer that we would continue to be strengthened and nurtured by Jesus Christ, who is the bread of life, the bread of eternal life for us. Amen.